You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you today for the very first time during season 40 of Survivor for an episode recap. Winners at War is here, and we are excited, particularly after such a fantastic episode. What a premiere we had! Two vote outs, wasn't expecting that. Two epic moments. And hundreds more epic moments. I don't know why I'm just saying two, because there were a lot of epic moments in this episode to digest. And what perfect way to digest this than with a winner of Survivor, who sadly is not on this season. It's a travesty. You're going to hear me say that so many times throughout this episode. I do, of course, speak of the winner of Australian Outback, Miss Tina Wesson, of course, played another two times after her win back in season two. And you're going to get everything you want and more from this chat, because Tina is always great value. And you're going to hear so much goodness in this interview that you are going to be thinking about it all weekend and in the subsequent days that lead up to the next episode of Winners at War. I'm going to shut up. You're going to hear me introduce this. Let's get to Tina Wesson recapping the very first episode of Survivor Winners at War. Survivor Winners at War is finally here. We've seen the first episode, an epic two-hour premiere. We've seen so much happen so much excitement and just every single Survivor fan is frothing at the mouth right now at finally getting to see this epic season we've all been waiting for. And it's it's with great pleasure and also I want to say great sadness that I have this next guest on the show because it's always a pleasure to have this guest on the show. I'm never sad to talk to this guest, but I'm also sad because I don't want to be talking to her right now. She should be on this season and I shouldn't be talking to her until after this season is finished. So that's where the sadness comes from. I do, of course, speak of the legendary three-time player of Survivor and winner of Survivor Australian Outback, the one, the only, Miss Tina Wesson. Tina, welcome back to the Oz Network. Oh, thank you, Ben, and you think you're sad. (laughs) I'm very sad. It's, yeah, I I don't even know... um, where to begin because I think you know getting you on this show as I said is always a pleasure but um, you know I, I wish it was for a different season or talking about your second win on season 40 or something like that but I guess I mean let, let's get the elephant out of the room right now Tina because let's be honest I got 50,000 questions asking the one question that you know I'm going to ask you first I'm sure everybody keeps asking you about this but but why on earth are you not on this season? What what happened? Can you give us a bit of a rundown on just specifically how close you got to being on this season? Yeah, you know what? I wish I knew. The, uh, this is what happened is they called, and first of all, you have to have some really, really thick skin to be a part of this franchise because... You know, they, they call often and they'll say, okay, well, would you still be willing to play? They never tell you what the theme is or anything. They don't tell you anything. They always just ask, would you come back? We're considering we're considering several ideas and would you come back? And it's always the same thing. Are you kidding? Yes, of course. <laughs> and then you wait a few weeks and then you wonder, well, are they going to call me back? And then usually I call them and like, okay, I haven't heard from you. And they usually said, well, we're still trying to figure it out. We'll be back. Okay. And then they'll call back and say, you're in or you're out. And that's all the information you get. You don't, 
that is it. So that's exactly what happened again for this season. They just called and said, you know, just checking in, making sure that, you know, you'd still be willing to go back. We were throwing around three different concepts for 40 and just wanted to know if you'd come back. And I said, of course. And then I didn't hear from them. And I called them and they said, we're still deciding. <laughs> and then they called back and said, okay, we don't need you this season. I'm like, okay. And oh, heartbreaking because this is the one season that I have been thinking about for 18 years. And I say 18 because, like, after you play and if you go far into the game, for me personally, it takes me a good year <laughs> or maybe two to recover from having gone out and played. And usually after that year or two, I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm – that's my fighting weight, and I feel good, and I'm ready to go out again psychologically, physically. And so after I played my first season, not knowing that I would ever be asked back again or that the franchise would go for this long, after, after playing the first one, I thought, well, maybe it'll last long enough that they would be able to do an all-winter season one year. And from that point on, I have kind of lived and hoped to be able to be a part of the all-winter season. So um, even though I try to keep things in perspective, and I'm thrilled and honored that I've gotten to play three times, and I don't want to sound selfish and, you know, woe is me, but it, it, this was a tough one to swallow. i got to admit, I was um, a little bit heartbroken about this one. Which is... Yeah, I, I know just given how nice of a person you are, Tina, I, I always like to try and challenge you to say something uh, mean and you never do it because you're just the nicest person in the world. But, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can imagine just <laughs> how hard that is. And at what point did you hear that this would be all winners? Um, well, whenever they called me and said that they were considering three different concepts, of course I was thinking, well, it's 40 you know, 20 years, of course, one of those seasons have to be, one of the concepts has to be an all-winners that they're throwing out. So when they called me and told me that I wasn't in, I'm like, oh, well, it must not be an all-winners season. And then, you know, I usually, because I'm not in the loop, usually I, I just find something on the internet that has said, oh, well, Rumor has it it's going to be an all-winter season, and I'm like, oh, surely not, you know. And then whenever I found out, I was like, oh, I'm not good enough. Mm. <laughs> you know, you start this, what's wrong with me? Why don't you love me? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so then you're like, back up, Tina. Not that bad. I, I reckon there were some um, of those famous blood versus water swear words that came out of your mouth uh, for a couple of days there, weren't there? There were not. There were not any swear words. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and if there was, I would admit it. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I think it's um because, I mean, even <laughs> sort of in the lead up to this recap with the listener questions that we got, I mean, 90% of them are revolved around how disappointed the fans were not to see you and finding out what happened because Richard, of course, put out a video a couple of weeks ago sort of addressing why he wasn't out there. And I think a lot of people 
just when they saw the cast and things were getting leaked and then kind of things got confirmed, it, it really was just a, an absolute disappointment and a travesty not to, to see yourself on there, not to see Richard. I mean, the original two winners kind of because you would think on such a landmark season that they, you and Richard would be two shoe-ins to kind of get on there, the very first male, the very first female winner, and kind of see you guys competing against other winners who have won in a completely different era of Survivor. Yeah, and I agree. And I, I really don't know why Richard wasn't asked either because if, because I can't call from CBS, you know, asking same thing, asking if he would be willing to play. So, is that correct? Is that what he said in his video? I haven't seen it. Yeah, he basically said pretty much similar thing that you know he got the call and then basically last minute uh, that yeah he wasn't he wasn't on. Essentially, exactly the same as what you said. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so I you know the fact that they called him tells me, you know, well they were considering him or either that show or one of their other concepts that they were throwing out. So here's my thing. You know, I mean, it is hard. I don't think that casting or CBS as a franchise or Jeff or Mark or whoever, you know, I don't really think that they're sympathetic to us as human beings. (laughs) And it's very interesting because I'm a manic journaler. And I happened the other day to go through some of my old journals. And I found um, a journal that I had from back in 2001. And it was whenever um, uh, we were getting ready to go to the finale of uh, Survivor Australia. And And I forgot so much of this. So I was glad it was fun to go back and read my journal. But it said that um, uh, Mark Burnett met with me and Colby today and was talking about the uh, show that was getting ready to air for the finale and that we were going to be asked a lot of questions. And he said, I would encourage you all to be kind. He said, because when this is all over, you're going to realize that all these players have families and the families are watching and you're going to be sending Christmas cards to each other one of these days. And so I would just really encourage you to be kind. And I had forgotten all about that. And I thought, you know, that was really nice that Mark would say those things and encourage that. But now I'm looking back and I'm like, well, you all need to be kind too. (laughs) And it would be nice to say, you know, to get something more than a, oh, no, we don't need you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, don't, I don't think that they realize the human aspect of those of us who, you know, we've committed so much of our life and our time to the franchise as well. And it would just be nice to get a little more consideration from them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a great way of, you know, looking at it and a great, viewpoint because I think that, you know, Richard's video was very interesting because he'd sort of mentioned that I think he had had left a job or he had left something basically in anticipation of this. And Jeff Probst has sort of come out because he was asked about particularly Richard, why isn't Richard there? 
and basically alluded to after what happened in season 39 with the whole, uh, you know, Kelly situation with Dan and everything, that that kind of would maybe bring up some unsavory things from Richard's past, particularly what happened on All Stars and, you know, him walking around naked maybe isn't a quite a bit of a fit compared to what we are today in today's society. And, and Richard sort of really spoke out against this saying, well, you sold this whole show on things that happened back in that day and that I was a big selling point of the show back in obviously when Survivor was the biggest show in TV and yourself too. I mean, you were the winner from the most watched Survivor of all time. So it's just, it's kind of interesting this, this viewpoint now that, that Jeff and some of these people might have of Survivor because yes, we're in modern day Survivor now, but you know, Jeff of all people, particular that he can't even really champion where it all began, considering that he's basically the only person on screen that has been there since day one. It's it's very surprising to see him maybe not fighting for Richard and yourself a little bit more to be out there. Yeah, and I don't know too. I mean, because I haven't been told anything, I just try to surmise things. And so I thought, well, maybe it's my age because Denise would be the next person closest to my age. And she's eight years younger than me. But after her, the next oldest person closest to me is 15 years younger than me. And most everybody else is 25 to 30 years younger than me. (laughs) So maybe... They wanted a more physical season, and they didn't want any older grandmother types on this season. So that's that's all I can think about. I don't. I have really no idea. Well, it's, it is interesting because this is the oldest average age still. So I mean, yeah, I mean, it definitely could have been a possibility. But um, you know, I think, uh, and you'll get to this when I get to our listener questions eventually. But a, a lot of people have kind of been saying that um, that you were cut for Amber because a lot of people thought that Amber was not keen for this idea and kind of took a lot of swaying to get her out there and uh, I think a few people that have sent the messages in are kind of gone well a bit of karma that Amber was sort of second voted out here and yet you should be out there and you probably wouldn't have been second voted out so you know maybe karma is a bitch (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness well I don't know I mean uh, there's there's a couple of other people like Sophie and Michelle, you know, I don't, I remembered Sophie a little bit. I didn't remember Michelle very much at all. And so, you know, even people that, and I don't know if either one of them had even been back to play again. Do you, do you know? No, no, they neither of them. Both of them, both of them, their first time they've come back since they've won. Okay. Well, you know, so on one hand, I'm really glad that they're getting another chance. But then on the other hand, I'm like, so they are more interesting than me or, you know, they have, you know, I just, I don't know. It, it, it can drive you crazy if you let yourself think about it. So I'm just like, well, it is what it is. And, you know, who knows? I don't know. You're still a fan. So you're still obviously excited for, for the fact that we're getting to, to watch 
these winners sort of play. And, and it is, I mean, it must be exciting too to see someone like Ethan, obviously, I mean, you know, winner after you, tribe mate from All Stars, Amber even, you know, no matter what, whether it was a case of if she was your replacement. I mean, again, fellow tribe mate from Australian Outback, Rob, you played with him on All Stars, Tyson, you played with him on Blood vs. Water. So, you've, I mean, you've still got a, a vast amount of connections on this season. Oh, my goodness. I'm like everybody else. I just could not wait for it to begin because of all these dynamic personalities. You know, at first I thought, wow, it's probably good that I wasn't on this season because (laughs) these people would eat my lunch. But then, you know, watching watching the first now, your viewers have watched, so can I address that? Absolutely. You go to town. Okay. Okay. All right. So, I didn't want to give anything away. <laughs> so, the, you know, the fact that after watching it, I'm like, wow, you know, I, I might have done okay out there, actually, because, you know, there were people that, on each side that I could align with, and then, because there are so many strong personalities, I could just lay back and let them kind of self-destruct because, you know, the people that are playing hard and have just people with some huge targets on their back. So, you know, you can just kind of just wait a little bit. And, you know, there's people out there right now who can just, I think, sit back, you know, like Sophie Michelle, being Ethan, Nick, just, just hang back, don't say anything or do anything that's going to get you in trouble, and then let the big dogs out there who are threatened to each other kill each other off and then start playing the game, you know? So, I, you know, looking back now, I think, well, I'm have done okay out there, actually. Well... I think I, I think you would have done very well as well because I think we saw that on Blood vs. Water. I mean, you very early on were like, this is a completely different game to what I played for. It moves so fast now and, you know, you sort of talked up that aspect and look at where we are now. This is 12 seasons, 13 seasons since you played and the game has expanded even more. And I found it so fascinating seeing some of these older school players just sit back. I mean, Ethan's confessional where he's basically like, I have no idea what's going on right now, but we saw a lot of him really in the thick of things, wasn't he? Really just kind of working out what to do. I think Ethan was fantastic to see this episode. Oh, he was hysterical. We actually talked this morning a little bit, and I was cracking up, just laughing so hard with him. It is now. Psychologically, I mean, not only is the pace of the game so much quicker, it's psychologically harder. And so there's no more going out and enjoy uh, playing the game. You know, there's not a lot of enjoyment. There's a lot of fun when you do the challenges. If you're a physical person and you love those challenges, that's fun. But you think, okay, well, that's however many hours. The whole rest of the time, you're in camp and you're playing this psychological warfare game and you're watching people go off and talk 24-7 and you're wondering, oh, is that a conversation about me? And, and it, whereas, you know, in my first season, you hardly ever felt that psychological warfare. And now 
you hardly ever don't feel that psychological warfare. So it's definitely a, a much different game than we've ever played. And I really loved this real showcase on people like Boston Rob, Sandra, Poverty, you know, these are these names that straight away you're going to assume are the big threats. These are the ones that straight away should be going first. And yet we saw both tribes lose and somehow Boston Rob, Poverty and Sandra all survived. They ended up basically controlling the vote on each tribe, which was incredible. And it was fantastic to see this Rob and Poverty alliance and the conversation that they were having with Ethan and Danny basically this is the problem with new school. They don't just sit around and talk and get to know each other. And I really hope that this continues Mm -hmm. to be sort of a narrative this season, because I think that's fascinating. And and that really does showcase the, the two periods of survivor. Well, I mean, there are many periods, but two of the big periods of survivor, because here you have Rob legend of the game, poverty legend of the game. And somehow they basically walked away from this in control, unscathed a little bit, at least, and somehow got their way and got Natalie out. So, I mean, it was just incredible to kind of see all that come together. That is why the players of this season need to be terrified. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's kind of like, how did that happen? How does that happen? And it happens because somehow who they are as players, they have that much... Uh, I don't even I don't even know what to call it. It's not charisma. It's power of people following or I don't know. It's just amazing. It is truly, truly amazing. And that is why they are the great players. And, and you no, know, I don't care what you say. Anybody who can go out there and you know have such big targets and then might be the first to go. It's just, it's truly remarkable. Would Would you have rather been on a on a tribe starting out with with Boston Rob or, or Sandra? If you had to choose between the two of who you'd rather start off with early, who would you rather be with? Wow, that is really tough. Um, because I saw one of Sandra's interviews say that she's going to vote off all the women. <laughs> but the first one thing that she wanted to do was get rid of all the women. So I. If I had played on Sandra's team, I probably would have tried to get into an alliance with Sandra, but I'm not sure if I would have stuck with it. But, you know, I probably would have tried and she would have voted me out because I'm a woman, but that wouldn't have worked out well. And then if I was on Rob's team, I'm not sure. Rob is very fond of me. I, I'm I don't know why it could have to do with, you know, the Amber thing from way back when. But <laughs> Maybe. I've never seen many warm, warm fuzzies from Rob. So, uh, but I don't think that he would have targeted me right off the bat. So, uh, I, I would probably say I would, I, out of safety, rather played with Rob. I would have found it fascinating to see because, again, I love the what-if scenarios and the the ifs and buts and all that sort of stuff. Famously, Colby, ifs and buts and candy and nuts would all have a Merry Christmas. I love that quote. Always use that in everyday life. Thanks, Colby. Um, But it's kind of, you know, we've seen a lot of 
instances in this episode where past relationships are brought up. Clearly, the poker alliance was was a key factor in in the second vote. But it's it would have been fascinating to see your past connections because, as you mentioned, you voted Amber out in Australian Outback. You had Ethan on All Stars, mm-hmm. which I mean, you two kind of obviously sort of worked together on Saboga because you were straight away targets because you were the winners. But then on Blood vs Water, you've got the Tyson factor mm-hmm. as well. So, do you would you have gone in? And I, I I know it's kind of the what if scenario again, but would have you gone in clean slate, or is it hard to really ignore past things that have happened? Do you feel that Amber might have come after you? Do you feel that you wanted to get revenge on Tyson? That these would have been playing in your mind. Mm-hmm. Well. Because the, the players that are playing, for me personally, I would have gone to some of the new school players or people that I have not played with or people that I thought maybe weren't uh, the showcase player because I'm sure that they're feeling a little bit like, wow, you know, I'm out here with such big names and it, it might feel a little bit threatening. So I probably would have gone to those people. And um, tried to team up with them a little bit more. Um, because my relationship with most of the people out there are not as strong as they have with each other, you know, like Robin Tyson, you know, they're tight. And poverty, he's pretty tight. And even though they all know that they're big targets, well, what do you do? If if, if you've got the numbers, then how about we as a big target all together and play together? That makes a lot of sense. And so I'm not sure that I would fit in with the big target people. So I think I would go more down the food chain <laughs> and try to be like a, what do they call it? The, uh, the big fish in the little pond. <laughs> I think of that I would have maybe gone that direction and, and done that. And of course, you know, there's some people that are playing out there that I, I have asked very few people to be in an alliance with me. Very few people. Most people come to me and ask me to be in an alliance with them. And I've never voted off anybody that I have asked to play a game with me. And there's a few people out there right now that I would have personally asked, you know, can we play this game together? Because I so admire you. I admire your game. And and right off the bat, I'll just tell you, it's you. I would have Begging please to play with you. He's he is a person that I want to win the game, and I have admired his game and him as a person for so long. And I've never even met him. That I remember watching his season, and you know he never had a vote cast against him. And I believe he got all the votes at his tribal council, final tribal council. And that tells you what kind of person he is and his integrity. So I would have gone to him if I was on his tribe right off the bat and, you know, swore my life with him. Uh, so and Ethan, you know, I, I love Ethan to death. He really went out on the limb big time in all stars for me. 
and uh, really appreciate him a lot. And I really like Ben. I like the game he played. Uh, I love what he stands for. Um, I love Jeremy's family. It's a family uh, dedication and commitment. I just I, I really admire that. Um, there's just there's just people out there that I respect. So I would go to those people and see what I could drum up. I think a lot of people are just salivating at the prospect of you working with someone like Yule and, and, and Ethan again because, you know, both very popular winners. So many people are excited to see them back. And it was actually, you know, we talked about how good it was to see Ethan sort of react to this new school. But if I maybe had to say an MVP of this episode, I'd almost go out on a limb and give it to Yule because Yule was fantastic in just this whole adapting to this new school because he's in a very similar boat, hasn't played in a very long time. And as he mentioned, he just has sort of been away from Survivor for so long, doesn't really have many connections outside of the show. And just just watching him kind of going out there, using this to his advantage, making this alliance, you know, with sort of the lesser types on his tribe that maybe weren't in this so-called poker alliance. And even the, the research involved, I... I didn't even know that these guys all played a poker game a year ago. And here's Yule, who just hasn't really been involved in a long time, has jumped online, found this out, and he's brought this out straight away. And all of a sudden, that's the the cursor to why uh, Amber's gotten the vote out, because she's supposedly involved in this poker alliance. So, yeah, all the props to Yule in this episode. (laughs) Well, and it goes to show you, again, why you would want to play with him. Not only is he such a great guy, but my lord, is he smart? Yeah, you know. Of course, leave that to him to do the research, and so uh, he, he would be a very good one to uh, tap into his resource, his mental resources. Yeah, it it was just it was great to see, and and this is the thing too. Boston Rob made a very good point at Tribal Council when he's like, we're all winners. We've all got a target on our back because, you know, it's just, it is that next level gameplay where everyone who's won the game, you, you know what it takes. You've got that mentality, but then it's kind of, it always takes those little things where you're finding reasons to vote someone off clearly for, um, Soleil, the blue tribe, that all really came down to Danny and Adam, uh, not sorry, Danny, uh, Denise and, Adam going off to have a bit of a walk at one point that all of a sudden boom there's a target on their back straight away and of course over on Decal it was basically this poker alliance and that's all it takes isn't it I mean you know all about that all stars the only thing really that was a target on your back was the fact that you had won that is essentially what it came down to absolutely absolutely and again it's like you want to shout unfair unfair (laughs) you know Sometimes there's nothing at all you can do about it. But like with this poker alliance thing, why Amber? Why why not Tyson? Why you know? I mean, why why Amber? Hmm. Well, I I was surprised it came down to that reason because to me this is going back to that point of someone like Rob, uh, Poverty, Sandra automatic targets and to me it was it was more surprising i mean it was brought up it's not like it wasn't part of the reason but it was more surprising to me that amber wasn't purely targeted because of the rob connection because that to me is where i thought 
people were going to come at it. And I always thought Amber was going to go early. But I just thought that that would play more into a part of it. And I have to say, Amber was quite impressive this episode too, with the way she was sort of trying to adapt. She got a great edit. And, you know, I'm I'm a huge fan of your season, as you know, your original season, Tina. So anyone from Australian Outback, I'm going to be thrilled to see coming back to play this game. But it was just, <laughs> it was so interesting just that that didn't play more of a, a factor into it. Because again, you get a husband and wife out there. That's a That's a huge connection that should be targeted. Absolutely, it is, but if you give Tyson five seconds to get his foot in the door, he's going to get his foot in the door. So if you're going to, if you're going to target the poker alliance, all right, well, okay, you feel threatened by it, take it out. But start with Tyson. Don't start with Amber. You know, that's what I didn't understand. Why did they pick Amber over Tyson? Mm. Well, and it was all very because, yeah, it was it was the way it sort of came about because it did almost all of a sudden like Tyson was in trouble because sort of he mentioned Tony and Tony's not going to you know lay back and take that. But then it was even the way it kind of quickly all of a sudden swayed to Kim, and I'm a mad Kim fan, so all of a sudden I'm getting incredibly worried at this point. But it was it was very rushed because Kim was the only one basically in the entire two hour episode that hadn't had a confessional until essentially the last like just before tribal council in that second part of the episode. So I'm thinking if she goes, this is the worst edit that she could have possibly gotten. This is bullshit. Um, but she didn't, and and that's another one too. Like I, I agree with you about Tyson. Like it's you know it's crazy, but also too with Kim that her name's brought up and. If you watched any of the pregame interviews or read any of the pregame stuff that went out there, Kim's name was the one that came up the most as who people thought was the biggest threat, even more than Boston Robbins' Sandra. So I thought Kim would have been taken out because really? of her past season and just what happened there. So, again, surprising that at least from what we saw, her name was just kind of loosely thrown out there last minute as, oh, what about Kim in this poker alliance? She could be taken out too. Wow. Well, I didn't know that they saw her as such a such a threat. Well, and we don't know who voted for who, correct? Yeah, I uh, I mean, I just looking here. Um, they oh no, actually, they have kind of released it. They didn't show it, but at least according to what I'm seeing here, uh, so Kim. Kim even voted for Amber. There you go. Well, she she turned. Well, I guess at the end of the day, that kind of makes sense because she was the one there at that tribal saying like, hey, what poker alliance? This isn't a thing. Um, so Kim, Nick, Sandra, Tyson, Tyson as well, Wendell and Yule all voted for Amber. Sarah, Sophie and Tony voted for Kim and Amber voted for Nick. So interesting there that both Tyson and Kim sw- switched their votes at least or at least proved, I should say, that there is no such thing as this poker alliance to, I guess, uh, you know, get themselves in with the majority there. Who did Sophie vote for? Sophie voted for Kim. So her, Sarah, and Tony all voted for Kim. And who did Amber vote for? Amber voted for Nick. For Nick. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. It's all very all over the place there, isn't it? Yeah, very, very interesting. I'm just actually seeing here on Soleil here. So uh, that was seven two one. So everyone voted for Natalie except for Michelle and Natalie voted for Denise and Jeremy voted for Adam. So clearly that just shows there that we we clearly saw Michelle in that second part 
on the outs because she didn't know what was going on. Jeremy clearly wouldn't have known what was going on, and Natalie also. So that one makes sense that kind of everyone ultimately banded together to take out Natalie. Do you think that was the the right choice? Because, you know, Jeremy, very strong physically, very, you know, sort of middle middle of the range game, famously brought up the whole meat shield ideal. So Jeremy, not that Natalie's not a smart cookie, but I mean, if you're in that situation, Natalie or Jeremy, who do you think should have been taken out first? Oh my goodness. Uh, well, again, I would take out Jeremy, just if I had to pick one of those two, I would not if, if you're worried about dynamic duos, so to speak, why is Natalie and Jeremy more of a threat than Robin Poverty? Yeah. You know, I don't under, I do not, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> so. We're all feeling Ethan right now. We're all Ethan today. I, but I agree with you. And the, the one thing that I actually really loved and, I've always said I'm not, you know, I, I appreciate Rob and Poverty's games, but I've never been a mad Poverty or Rob fan. But I absolutely loved that moment where they're sitting on the beach and Rob's basically like, what's going on? We're the biggest threats out here and yet we're safe. It was That was just a fantastic <laughs> little moment. It was. I 100% agree. And I think the only reason why I think that maybe... Natalie was voted off because Poverty have somehow worked their magic and maybe for just this vote people like Ben and Ethan who are just trying to find their foothold in the game right now have just kind of went along with maybe what the big dogs wanted but I believe that this season is going to be played out more like white collar, blue collar, no collar, and that you're going to end up having voting blocks instead of alliances, big, you know, strong alliances that go through the rest of the game. Um, because it is for two million dollars, and I just don't think that um, whoever wins whoever wins this season will have played their hearts out, and I don't think that. Um, but trusting in one alliance is is going to be enough to uh, win this season. So I think, you know, for this vote, this is how things went, but I certainly don't think that you can see how the cards are stacking up or who's with who. I don't think that you're going to be able to count on that and you know, kind of take that to the bank. I think that's just what happened this episode, Yeah, well, which is going to be fun. I yeah, think it's going to be fun to watch. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, gosh, uh, you know, everyone talking about this season in the lead-up has just been talking about so many scenarios about why this season is going to be fantastic. And, and Jeff Probst tweeted, actually, just after the, the episode had finished, that he said, by the time this season ends, there will be nothing left inside any player. They gave every single ounce every single day. And, I mean, it's clear to see that in, in the very first episode. Just just quickly, just you brought up the $2 million factor, just while it's on the on the table here. How pissed off are you that they've finally brought in? Because that was meant to be All-Stars. That was, You were meant to have $2 million on the table for All-Stars, and then all of a sudden they changed it to give Rupert a million dollars. <laughs> I know. Well, it's kind of the way I feel about that is, you know, people used to say, talking about how much that we pay for our taxes, and so you're... One million dollars is really five hundred thirty, and so four seventy goes to Uncle Sam. And oh, that's terrible! I'm like, 
are you crazy? I'm so appreciative of my $530,000. <laughs> I'm not going to bite the hand that feeds me. Thank you. <laughs> no, so it's fine. I, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm tickled to death for, you know, just whatever they choose to give. It's fine with me. It's just so getting out nice, there and playing Tina. the game. You're so nice. <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful. You know, I really do, you know, this, this place of thankfulness. And that's why every time that I start to get a little, uh, I don't know, just uh, sad that, you know, I'm not playing, that's what I think about. I think, oh, my gosh, Timmy, you've got to play three times. You are so selfish, <laughs> you know, and try to keep, just keep it in check. You know, I think being self-aware and, and constantly checking yourself, it's a good way to live um, because then you, you know, if if you don't live that way, then you're just going to be a pissy old me person. Mm. <laughs> I I think I'm going towards the latter, so I'm going to have to. I'm going to I'm going to replay that clip over and over again just to to make me stay on focus, Tina. <laughs> don't be a pissy old person. Listen to Tina. Don't be a pissy old person. <laughs> Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's. It's so interesting. Like the one thing that I loved seeing to this episode, and again, coming from someone who's not a huge Boston Rob fan, but that whole sequence where Danny brings up Rob's name, Ben's there, Ben's on yep. the beach walking with Rob, and somehow Rob gets his information out of <laughs> Ben, and then Rob goes straight to Danny, and then Danny's like, yeah, it was me, and then Rob's just like, you know what, I appreciate that you're honest with me. I'm going to work with you. Like it was just like this... What just happened? I'm worried for my girl Danny because I'm saying Danny and Danny and Kim are my two here that I'm rooting for hard. I'm like, no, no, don't take out Danny. And then it was just like, what just happened? That worked. She did an alliance with Rob. What just went on? <laughs> I know. And, and it, again, it goes to show you. First of all, I'm afraid of Boston Rob. Even I think everyone I'm is after this episode. Holy crap! <laughs> I know. I know. And, and he does, you know, there's certain mannerisms that people have that are, you know, like you me being the hyperactive ADHD adult out there. You know, you know, he's going to go out there and go crazy and never sleep and be wild and crazy. And, uh, you know, Sandra's going to be sassy. Well, there is an, a personality thing with Rob that, I, again, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is, but he has some kind of personality trait that is, it makes people react like Ben does. And I would love to know the psychology. I've never met anybody like Rob, ever. I, 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 I can't name one person, even, even people that I haven't met that maybe you know, personify kind of that personality. He, it's so unique and so different. And people are drawn to him, but they're not drawn to him because he's such a likable guy. They're drawn to him for some other reason and concept. And, and, I, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you can put a word to it or a term or a label, but I certainly can't. I think they need to bring back the the Rob father that they had way back in Marquesas. I think that based on how that played <laughs> out today, like 
because it was very, you know, go to Rob, you know, crumble under the pressure, and then all of a sudden it's like coming all around there. And yeah, I, I think Rob Father needs to come back after this episode. Absolutely, because that's exactly what it it appeared to be. Yeah, it was just I. I'm generally not that much in awe of of players after. I mean, this is the fifth time we've seen Rob. It's a record. Sixth time, if you count his sort of mentor role last season. So it's not like we're not used to seeing Rob. But, I mean, I know it's one episode. I know it's still very early. But this is reminding me a lot of Sandra in Game Changers because you came into her third time around going, okay, she's won twice. She's going to be targeted. She's not going to make it far. But somehow, even after only lasting a few episodes on season 34, Sandra somehow increased her legacy. And I think Rob, if he continues this way, it's going to be very unique to really just analyse his his whole period in Survivor because his win is talked down because he won on a season that's generally hated, was up against players that people don't often say were up to the standards of Rob, so he so-called had an easy win. But, I mean, just watching him on this episode with other winners, with Parvati, working with Parvati, somebody who he voted out, uh, sorry, got voted out by in Heroes vs. Villains and never worked together these two, you know, icons of the game. And I think they summed, he summed it up very well when he worked, when he went to poverty and was basically like, you and I probably know the game better than anyone else out here. And I'd go out on a limb and say, he's probably right. You know, outside of Sandra, perhaps Kim's very knowledgeable on the game as, as a fan. Adam's very knowledgeable on the game as a super fan. But, but in terms of the experience, I mean, Rob and poverty can break the record this season for most days ever played in survivor history. So, you know, they've got the experience wow. and it was, yeah, I, I think they summed that up, everything up in that little walk they had in the forest together. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. And can you imagine if Rob or Poverty or Sandra walk away with the win? Oh, I yeah. Mean, you're talking about solidifying, solidifying your all-time greatness because if you can win with a big target on your back, you deserve it. You absolutely deserve any accolade that anybody gives you. And 100%. That's hard. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is, this is another one of those interesting factors to come out of this season is that the go-to for saying Sandra is the greatest player of all time is because she's the only person who's ever won twice. You're going to be guaranteed to have somebody walking away from this season also having won twice, maybe even three times if Sandra is to win. So therefore it's going to open more of a debate out there for, for people to kind of really put that out there. But, yeah, 100% agree that if, if Rob or Parvati was to walk away with this win, I mean, there's no question in mind. People debate to this day still that Parvati is a better player than Sandra because she should have won Heroes vs. Villains. But, again, a debate for another time. But if she was to win, I mean, my goodness, I think that that would all but solidify the, the argument out there that she is. But and same with Rob. Like, I mean, you can't deny that if Rob was to win this season, it just, yeah, I think I, even I would shut up. And I've been one of these people who have been a bit down on his win in Redemption Island. Well, yeah, I mean, that, of course, it makes sense. It's kind of like the Super Bowl, you know. If you play and win against a team that the record is two wins and ten losses and you win against that team, you're like, ah, well, good for you, Rob. But because it is, you know, the NFL, at least you're still playing in the NFL. But then if you win against a team that's ten wins and no losses and you beat them, then, of course, you're like, wow, you must be really good because you beat 
you know, a team who hasn't even been beaten yet, they're that good. And so I think you're exactly right that the people that have won, you have to look at the season and see, well, how hard of a season was it to win? And um, so this, I mean, to win this season, you will would have played against the absolute best of the best. And so I think that, you know, you should walk away with Heisman Trophy, the most valuable player, the, the Super Bowl champion. You should get all the accolades that there are if you walk away from this game as the winner. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. Um, just a quick update, too. I mentioned that uh, Robin Parvati had the opportunity to break the record for most days played. So coming into this, they sit third and fourth on the overall tally. Rob with 117 days, Parvati 114. Uh, so if my calculations are correct, they've both played three days currently after one episode. So Rob's moved up to 120 days. She's, he's only one behind Sari, who played 121 days. And Aussie is number one at 128 days. Parvati has moved up to 117 days. So they're on track right now. Uh, Rob, if he lasts another episode, he will be officially in second place for most days played, which makes sense. It's wow. his fifth time. But, I mean, still, that's, uh, that's a long time to be playing Survivor. It is, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I was talking about there are certain people who, like Ozzy, you know, Ozzy loves the outdoors. I was looking at a picture of him up in the top of a stupid palm tree, sit on top of the palm tree. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my Lord, you know, who else climbs to the top of these ginormous trees and stands up there? But, you know, he's like, Tarzan or something, but there's people who really love the outdoor experience of Survivor, and I'm one of those people. You know, I, I love sleeping out by the fire and in the dirt and the being deprived of and stripped of everything. I love that. I love what it what it makes you into. And I was I was thinking about the last couple of days on Survivor Australia and I'm not a crier and I think I might have shed a few tears at that point and I said you know I don't know why I'm crying I should be happy to be leaving you know and and finishing up what I've been through but it's so hard to say goodbye you get so used to that primal existence that it actually becomes something that I won't say you crave it, but you find a peace in that type of simplistic, basic, instinctual kind of existence. And I think that's what Ozzy felt, and that's what I feel, and and so many people who just really love that outdoor experience of Survivor. And if I'm not mistaken, sort of where you are now, you kind of live a bit uh, bit out in the bush, as we would say in Australia. You've sort of got a bit of more of a, 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 a life in nature now more so, don't you? Yes, yeah. I, I, live, I, I live with wild animals. <laughs> I'm in their <laughs> environment. They're not in mine. I'm in theirs. And um, I love camping. You know, I love being 
I, I don't like the beach. I don't go out much to beaches, but I do love being outside. Uh, you talk about those final days in Australian Outback and... You know, we, we, we recently did a, an episode here where we kind of ranked all the seasons to try and kind of come up with a definitive list heading into season 40. And um, when we came to debating your season on Australian Outback and, you know, some people out there will say, oh, the, the last bits of Australian Outback were boring. A lot of the newer fans sort of go back and watch and go, oh, it was boring. And I, I, I for one, am straight away like, no, it's not boring. Like, I want to sit there and I want to watch these people just struggle. This is what Survivor is. I want to see these relationships. I want to I want to just see them, you know, mentally challenged to the, to the brink in those final few days. And, I mean, gosh, I think if I had one episode that I've watched the most in my life of Survivor, it would be the finale of Australian Outback. I had that on VHS and I would watch that daily for a good couple of months after it finished airing as a 14-year-old. I was that obsessed. So, yeah, I love the ending of Australian oh Outback. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I think that we were. Um, I lost the exact same amount of weight on that season that I did in Blood Versus Water. So even though I lost the same amount of weight, I definitely had less uh, food, nutrition, or, you know, any kind of, you know, we didn't, have, we didn't have the pineapples or the coconuts or things that we could supplement our rice with back then. And we weren't eating rice every day because of the rain. We had so much rain, we couldn't bar water, so we didn't eat. So even though I lost the same amount of weight, Australia was exponentially harder than blood versus water. And I, I don't know many seasons. There's There's been a few that were harder than ours, but um, it definitely tested tested me more than any other season that I've played. But it was it's the place I would go back to. You know, I'd rather go back to Australia than Fiji. Um, it was just so beautiful you know the outback is just so alive with all the animals and the herbert river was so gorgeous and that the landscape just everything about australia i just loved everything that's what i like to hear that's that's what we train our guests well to make sure that they say that to the australian host but uh, you also (laughs) you also played three days longer than anybody else did too i mean i know blood versus water technically was 40 days but yeah, you played 42 days, which has never been done since as well. And I don't know why that is. I never knew the answer to that. Mm, yeah. Well, uh, the Australian version, I mean, they played 55 days for a couple of seasons. Now they play 50 days. So, um, you know, closest you had to, to that, which, again, another reason why you should be on this bloody season, Tina. You, you won the longest game. So, you know, I mean, there's a factor that people need to remember. (laughs) Okay, I have a question for you. Give me it. Okay. So, what are your feelings about Redemption Island or whatever it's called? Um, Edge of Extinction. Is that what it's called? Edge of Extinction. Okay. Mm. Um. I know that it's got all these new twists that make it a little bit more interesting that I think I'm going to enjoy, but how do you feel about the players that are going and not 
having to play the game as much as the players who are playing the game. And if somebody from Edge of Extinction comes back and wins the game, how do you feel about that? Well, we saw that with Chris a couple of years ago, a couple of seasons ago, sorry. Um, and that's basically tainted his win. Uh, I mean, I, I did a, a winner's ranking recently and, and there's really like, and this is again, no disrespect to Chris, but there's really no way you can't rank Chris at the bottom because he technically played what 18 days came back and won. So, you know, but the, the thing that I found really interesting about it this season is that they told them straight away. Of course, on Edge of Extinction, they didn't know. No one knew until sort of halfway through the game when players attempted to come back the first time. So this time around, straight away, they know. So I do very much feel as though that's going to play such a key factor. Like, are we going to see Rob having troubles mentally because he knows his wife is on Edge of Extinction? Does that mean he's going to go there? I don't think it will. It's Boston Rob. He's not going to want to give up. But at the same time, he's going to be playing that in his mind. I, I personally am not a huge fan of it. I think... It's all winners. You, you don't need to have this extra twist. You, you know, we're excited enough to see 20 winners come back. It does add extra elements to it, and we are in modern Survivor where it's so twist-heavy that you've got to have 101 different things to to really kind of, you know, keep the game flowing. But at the same time, I would have been very happy with a stripped-back version just it's 20 winners that's all that it that's all that we need we don't need fire tokens and edge of extinction we've got enough entertainment on our screens as it is so not a huge fan uh what about yourself tina um i 100 agree i think that having the fire tokens and the idols and things like that that's going to help me tolerate it a little bit better but Again, I don't think whenever you put that element in, you take away from, okay, we're wanting to see who the best player is. I think it takes away from who's the best player. It's who gets the lucky, who's the luckiest. Well, this person got four tokens from somebody else who's on some other island who's not even playing, and that potentially gave them the win for the entire season. And that's, I don't like that. That's what I don't like. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. I am. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think, and this is, this is the changing guard of, of survivor and opinions and things like that, because we live in an age now where people have grown up on this show in the later half where the, all they know is twists and idols and things like that. And that's going back to my point before when I said people then go back and watch the original seasons and they think, well, this is boring. There's no idols. There's nothing. What's going on? This is not what I signed up for. This is not Survivor. Where it is Survivor because clearly you played on the second season, won the second season. You're as OG as you can basically get. I've watched the show from day one, so I we all know what it was like from the very beginning and have watched it develop into the game today. And it is kind of, you know, such a game today where it is so reliant on on idols and twists and things like that. And you, you brought it up before, this, this voting block mentality now that exists and that it's you don't see alliances basically go to the end anymore. I mean, what, Wendell and Dom from Ghost Island was maybe the last time we saw that. You're never going to get a, a Tina and a Colby going to the end again. It just it would be so rare to see that. And again, it, I guess it all comes down to what you prefer. Do you like the old school mentality of forming a tight bond, making it to the end, and it's all about relationships and seeing you guys struggle, 
or do you like seeing fire tokens and idols and edge of extinction it's it really is a different side of the spectrum to what you prefer but i i'm old school mentality i like the olden days of the relationships and the survival more than what we have today well from your the list that you have what would you say is the percentages of people who like Ooh. all the bells and whistles and people who like the strip down what would you say the ratios that's a very good question and I would probably almost go out and limb and say it's probably more into the modern day because, you know, we, with some of our rankings, a lot of people sort of commented that it was very old school heavy that we were focusing and praising the older seasons a lot more. So, and just a lot of people, I think, kind of go into this and they like the flashy side of things and I guess the millennials and that who are listening to podcasts more often, I, I would say more so that I'm not saying we don't have a percentage who would be on my mentality. Cause we definitely do. And a lot of people who are on our show as hosts would definitely fall into more my category. But if I had to go out and limb and guess, I would say more so people are into the, the modern way of playing the game. Oh, okay. Well, so with that in mind, you know, think about Jeff, being a producer of the show now and taking over more in the casting and, you know, having a lot of the responsibilities that he has, you know, I mean, he gets a lot of flack from people about, oh, we don't like this or we don't like that or, you know, I'm going to quit watching because of this or whatever. So I would not like to have his job for sure. But, you know, I think that he's in the position of having to – because. I'm sure he loves the show, but he's responsible for making sure that they make money and that they their viewership is up and all of that. So he has to try to figure out what do people want? You know, what is it that they want from the season? So I, I feel like that the reason why we have the game morphed into what it is today it's because this is what the viewers are saying that they want, the majority of the viewers. And otherwise, I don't think that Jeff would be um, putting all these things in. So that, that's just my thought, because he does have a responsibility to the network <laughs> to to have a successful show. And, and that's going to be, you know, A, yes, your casting, but also, you know, what you're create the atmosphere of the game that you're creating. I 100% agree, and I think at the end of the day, this is a television show, and a television show can't stay on air for 20 years and not change and develop and morph into something different. So as much as I, you, other people might long for how this game was, it never's gonna stay, it's never going to stay the same. It wouldn't have lasted for 40 seasons if we had to just kept the same format that we had back in Australian Outback. It had to change, and here we are today. Right. And you're absolutely right. Like he, Jeff gets a lot of flack. Um, for, for kind of modern day survivor and certain things that happen. And I'm not saying Jeff's completely innocent, but Jeff's been involved from day one. Jeff, Jeff is involved with CBS and kind of learning and that. And the show rates very solidly. It has a very strong fan base. He knows that. It's got to develop and he's doing what he can to do that. He's made some bad decisions along the way. He's made some great decisions along the way, 
But at the end of the day, let's be thankful that here we are in 2020 still talking about this show. I'm sure you couldn't have even imagined in 2000 uh, when you're watching Borneo and then when you're out there filming, you know, in 2001, that here we would be, you know, 20 years later still talking about this show. I mean, it just nobody could have imagined that 20 years ago. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's it's a great achievement no matter, you know, what the perspective is on anything. We'll get to some listener questions very, very shortly, Tina, but just a couple of other quick things. We, we mentioned briefly the fire tokens there, this kind of, you know, unique concept. And we saw with Natalie on Edge of Extinction, she, she found this idol which she could essentially trade for a fire token that she would give to somebody on the losing tribe. I kind of liked how we didn't see her make the decision and how as soon as sort of decal lost and, and Sandra's back at the beach. Here she is with her idol. D- do you think that was the smart move? Do you think that was the only move really that Natalie had, not knowing a whole lot about the dynamics on that tribe and just going for who she probably thought was the most obvious target at the first vote? Oh, gosh. But again, why Sandra? Why would she give it to Sandra? Unless, you know, they have a relationship outside the game, which they may. I I don't know if they do. But I don't know that I would be giving it to, you know, such a strong player. I don't know. I think it all... I think it probably all just came down to the fact that she assumed as a, the only two-time winner that she would be the first target. That's the only thing that I can imagine she thought of going into that. Yeah, so why would so why would you give an idol to that person? Wouldn't you want them to be voted off? Possibly. Maybe she's thinking she can use it like as somebody's on the bottom now that somebody else on the bottom she could work with them. Not sure. Well, and did she? And I forgot. Did she have to give it to? Not, she couldn't give it to someone on her own tribe. She had it to give it to the other. Yeah, she she it was a, the she had to give it to the losing tribe, somebody in the losing tribe. So that was I think at the very end there when we saw Amber show up to Edge of Extinction, and she's like, "Oh, I wanted my tribe to lose again because clearly she would have given the idol to Jeremy." I'm assuming <laughs> at that point. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Well, I, that that tells me then she must have some sort of uh, outside the game uh, friendship with Sandra. And let me tell you. Sandra, to me, of all the players in the history of Survivor, Sandra is such an amazing, amazing uh, representative uh, for the players of Survivor. I've never met someone so generous of their time, of uh, her energy, Whenever you go to any event with Sandra, like I'm, I get a little overwhelmed with people, you know, and it's like, <laughs> oh gosh, that's a lot of people, and okay, I, I don't know how long I can do that for, and that, it, you know, it's just overwhelming for me. Well, Sandra, she will feel like at Hearts of Reality, she will sit down by the pool, and she will stay there all day talking to people, um, she welcomes anybody who wants to talk to her about anything. Um, she's on social media like a crazy, insane woman. And she is very accessible to the fans. 
And I really, really admire that about Sandra. That, you know, it doesn't matter that, you know, we're not some real television show as far as like a, I don't know, CSI or something like that with real actors and people who are really people in Hollywood. (laughs) But as far as reality television, I think Sandra is the most accessible person in all of Survivor history. And I, I think it's very kind of her. And um, so I think that she also probably has the most relationships outside the game with 100%. other players. 100%. So, yeah. Sandra's always yeah. talking to people outside the game. She, she's she's always on the ball. <laughs> and, and I like what – who was it who said a – Oh, I think Richard said it uh, in one of his interviews about Sandra. He said, you know, Sandra's one of those people that can make you feel um, close. You know, you feel some kind of connection there with her. She makes you feel that connection. But she would catch your throat in a New York minute. Yep. And, yep. and so you, you have to you go into that relationship with Sandra knowing that. And, you know, at what point do you um, let her feel like you're trusting relationships? You know, when do you jump ship, so to speak? But, you know, I think most all these people have some sort of relationship with her. So I think that's probably going to play to her. That will be one of her advantages, like, you know, just like getting the idol. I think maybe her relationship with Natalie outside the game has given her, you know, a great advantage in the game right now. So, mm. yeah, good for no, her. Yeah, it's, no, it's, I, I agree. The Completely agree. And it's, yeah, it, it is fascinating to just see Sandra play this game and just just do what Sandra does, be Sandra, because... You, you know, it's it's kind of a similar level, I think, to to Rob in the fact that you, you people are drawn to her no matter no matter what she's achieved. And like, I yeah, I, I've been to a couple of events with Sandra, and I've seen exactly what you're saying. Like, just just incredible how she is with the fans, and just gives every single moment of her time. She she really is just that type of person. So it's it's always unique to just see her in this this game. And I did I did love how kind of you, you know this whole target on Amber really came down to the fact that like. Rob didn't tell me at all when we were out there on Island of the Idols. I, I'm pissed off. I want Amber gone. Like she's, she's like, I came into this not wanting to play emotionally, but but screw them. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's another aspect. Like you were talking about the uh, poker line, mm. how you know something can put a target on your back, and how sensitive all of us, paranoid, sensitive, uh, you can call it a number of things, but. Man, that really, you know, got in Sandra's crawl. You know, wow, Rob never even mentioned that while we were out there. And you're like, the non-trust <laughs> that you have with the players. I mean, when I don't know that there, you could ever feel completely safe with anybody, you know, just for all those little reasons. But that really seemed to, seemed to get her. Mm. And it's going to be very interesting, I think, next week. Uh, we saw a bit of a teaser, Rob kind of talking about, you know, oh, if Amber's gone and 
if if he finds out that it was Sandra, you know, then we could have this battle for the ages, Rob v Sandra, yeah, you know, this build up and everything because you know they were they were pretty close on Heroes vs Villains. They worked together, so uh, and then obviously had a bit of a relationship, you know, hanging out in Island of the Idols last season. So it, it'd be pretty epic to see Rob find out that Amber got taken out because of Sandra, and now he wants Sandra's blood. There's there's a battle we've all been wanting to see. <laughs> But didn't you say Sandra voted for Nick? Uh, Sa- no, that was Amber voted for Nick. So Sandra, um, I believe, oh, still... Oh. Yeah, Sandra voted for Amber. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. T- Tyson so, voted so Amber too, fine. though. Yeah. So why why is it, why is it more Sandra than Tyson? I, I'm just going to go out on a limb and think that Rob's going to, you know, know because, yeah, I just, I feel that that is where they were alluding to with that little teaser next week. So, um, you know, I think it will be interesting. If I was Sandra, if I was Sandra, I would do what she does, which is stir up the pot. Yep. And I would just tell Rob, I'd say, Tyson's the one that said that we should vote for Amber. Mm-hmm. So I'd blame it all on Tyson. And yep. let it go from there. <laughs> yep. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, and just before we get into the listener questions, um, we like to do a bit of a rating on this show where we basically find out your, your overall thoughts on the episode. So the rating system is, of course, if you love this episode, Tina, you're going to buy it, you want to keep it, you want to watch it forever. If you thought this episode was kind of, oh, it was okay, it was in the middle, you're going to rent it. And if you thought this episode was shit, you'd never want to watch it again, you're going to trash it, you're going to bin it. Get rid of it. So, are you going to buy, rent, or bin this episode? I am going to buy it, and I'm going to watch it over and over. Perfect. <laughs> I agree with you Fantastic. completely. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Great I, episode. I, I've watched every season, every every episode of Survivor, and it was one of the best. I yeah, it was a fantastic premiere, and I think it really did live up to to the hype, and and that's I think it's it's crossed that mark off straight away that a lot of people worried that oh you know is this overkill? Are we all worried that this isn't gonna you know work out? But um yeah no I agree it was it was a fantastic I, I was hooked to every single minute of this, and I yeah, I don't think I've really felt this excited for a premiere and you know counting down the minutes so i can get home and watch it probably to heroes vs villains it's sort of been a while <laughs> so um yeah no it was it was great and, and i'm really glad it lived up to that hype do you know what the do you know what the viewership was um I don't know if I've got that in front of me yet. Um, if it has been released, I don't know if I've got it yet. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't You're know. You're my ghost, guy. Come on. I know, man. right? You think I'd have this. What's going on? Come on. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll, I'll, see, I'll see if I can dig it up before the, uh, the end of this episode to, uh, to see uh, what we can get. Okay. Um, actually, I might have pulled out something here quickly. Let's have a look here. TVline.com. Uh, 6.7 million total and 1.3 in the demo rating. Down 25% in the demo from its past few winter premieres, but on par with its traditionally lower rated fall opener. So uh, it, it beat Fox's really? Masked Singer. Um, so it beat the Masked Singer. So that's a good thing, right? I'm surprised. I'm really, really surprised. Mm. That it was that low. I would have thought. I would have thought it would have been much higher. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, the thing with Survivor though, I think it's just it's just got such a like it's it's ratings just kind of stay the same. They're such a stable number. I don't think it's really dropped off. Like it's obviously as television viewership has dropped off over the years, it's sort of gotten lower. But yeah, I just I just don't think Survivor's really kind of you know had a significant drop in a long time. So it's kind of just your standard core audience are watching. Yeah, but I would have thought that that standard core would have gone up mm. for this. Like even if you even if you quit watching, mm-hmm. wow! An all winter season, I'm go- I'm going to watch this next season. You know, I'm not going to you know watch all the things that would definitely tune in to watch that. So I would have thought that, that number would have been you know, closer to the ten. But well, so you you of course were on um two seasons that really kind of had a big spike in their their premiere obviously uh you know Australian Outback had a huge I think the the most watched premiere of all time and then uh, All Stars I believe had a huge yeah I'm looking at it here actually so All Stars uh you had 21 and a half million people watching Pearl Islands and then the, the premiere of All Stars went up to 33 and a half and then yeah the Australian Outback the most ever in a premiere 45.3 million people double the population of Australia watch Survivor the Australian Outback oh my premiere. God. Wow. Crazy. That's Absolutely crazy, crazy. Yeah, that is that is insane. And Blood vs Water actually looking here Blood vs Water the premiere spiked higher than the premiere of Caramoan too. So um Caramoan the very first premiere not to have more than 10 million viewers had 8.94 but then Blood vs Water spiked up to 9.73. So uh yeah, there you go. That's wow. uh Fascinating. I will say 6.7 million, though, is higher than the premiere of Island of the Idols uh, the last season. So there was an increase in this premiere slightly okay. more. So th- there's the positive to look for it. There you go. I found the, I found the Tina Wesson right. positive. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Now let's get to some <laughs> listener questions to close this out. And thanks to everybody who sent in listener questions. As always, stay tuned to our social media pages. We'll update you every week who's coming on the show and you can get your questions in to ask your favorite players. Now, a lot of these questions, as I said at the beginning, revolve around why weren't you on the show? Why weren't you on the show? So uh, I will, you know, to everyone who's asked that question, we've answered it. So thank you to everyone who sent that one in. But um, let's go through these. Uh, Chris Val says, Tina, if you and Amber ended up on the season together, I expect you two would be on the same tribe. Since they'd want Denise as the only other mature female player on the other tribe, would you have voted Amber out first or someone else? Oh, my goodness. Uh, If I was playing with Amber, I would not see her as a big threat. So I would have had to vote out the biggest threat, but I really would have tried to play with Amber. I'm not sure that she would accept my peace offering, (laughs) (laughs) but I would try because it's kind of like Jerry. You know, at first I really struggled with my relationship with Jerry and now I absolutely love her. And so I would kind of like to bridge that gap with Amber uh, because I'm like everybody else in the world. I love her love story with Rob. I love that they really seem to be in love with one another and appreciate this marriage and relationship and have these little girls and have this family. And it's all because of Survivor. I love that. And I think that she 
still looks like that little 18 year old girl. Yeah. From she has Australia. not aged. She, she looks has great. She's precious, precious. So I would try, but I'm not sure she would buy it. So I would put my feet in the water and see what it felt like. And if it didn't feel very good, then I would have to see what I could do to get her voted off. Do, do you remember Amber from Australian Outback, like those early days? You know, you were there from the very beginning of the legend of Amber. I mean, do, do you remember sort of some early experiences with her out there on Ogacore? Everything. I remember everything about it. Wow. Wow. And it's it's crazy. It's just it still is crazy to think that sort of in all this hype of winners at war and kind of, you know, the Boss and Rob Amber sort of angle, having them come back together and of course she won all stars, that's where their love story came. But I yeah, I, I for one, as I said before, like I'll be excited to ever see anyone come back from Australian Outback and just to I'm like, Hey guys, remember she was on Australian Outback first. Like this is Ethan might be the oldest winner in terms of the longest, you know, time since he won, but Amber's the actually the, the, the first time she played, it was, you know, what, twenty years ago essentially. So this is is exciting to see an, an old school player from season two come back again. I know, and I really wanted for her to have a better experience on this season. The fact that I'm sure it was a sacrifice for her to leave the girls and to come and play and had some reservations about it, and it has been a while since she's played. And I really wanted her to have a more full experience of everybody out there I wanted her to have the better experience. Yeah, I, I look, I, I completely agree. And, you know, if that vote if that vote looked like coming down to, you know, Kim and Amber, I, I for sure wanted Amber to go more than Kim. But at the same time, I didn't want Amber to go at all because, yeah, I, I'm exactly the same with you. I would love to see her just have more of an experience out there. And it, it is going to be very interesting to see how the whole Edge of Extinction thing plays out with her and Natalie because, I mean, who, who do you think out of those two, if they would have a battle tomorrow, it's not it's not Redemption Island, it's not quite how it works like it did on Blood vs. Water for you, but d- do you think that Amber's got a chance against Natalie in any sort of challenge moving forward? Absolutely not. Natalie is a beast. She is a beast. If it's physical, I think Natalie Natalie's a tough, a, a, whew, she's tough. <laughs> she's a she's a CrossFit trainer, I think, in uh, in real life now. So um, yeah, no, and she's ah, she's we'll she's see. stacked. There you go. Yeah, so we'll see, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, thanks for that question. Now, um, I'm sure you're very much aware of over on Twitter. You have your own little fan following there with the account Tina Wesson fans and I just want to read out this lovely little thing that they've sent in for us to read to you. They say, Tina, we were devastated when we learned you weren't chosen for this winner's season. Please know how many fans were outraged for you. We'll keep supporting you and know that you will play again. You are a survivor legend, the first female winner in the most watched season. You are a role model on how to keep it classy when things don't go your way. You won the game dealing with the rheumatoid arthritis and return from redemption. My question is, and this is a two-part question. I'll, I'll just let that sit with you for a second there first. That was very nice. That was a really nice thing for them to say. I don't know if you've interacted much with that that account on Twitter, Tina Wesson fans, but they're very active and they've always been really good uh, sending questions over the years. But they love you, Tina. Their the whole account's named after you. Uh, that is so And I, I really I don't do anything on Twitter, but it's because I don't really know how. But that makes me feel really good, really, really good, and I so appreciate it. And I wish that I was better at knowing how to do all that stuff because I want to show them my appreciation 
So, you know, don't take my lack of involvement as non-appreciation. It's just I need a tutorial or something. <laughs> we, we, we'll hook you up. We'll help you out there one day. Their, their question, I mean, sort of the first part has okay. been answered. Uh, they they ask, you know, who do you think replaced you on Winners at War? We obviously discussed that. But uh, this is another question that also got asked a lot. Do you think you will ever be asked to play again at some point? You know, I hope so. I, I really hope so. That's all. But again, because they never give you any explanations for anything then um i don't know what cbs thinks of me i really don't know if they think that i'm i'm boring or too old or not not i, I don't know i don't i have absolutely no idea what cbs thinks of me none so i would hope so <laughs> the fact that they call there are definitely a few like we know for example people like uh Vesepia, brian uh chris doherty they weren't even asked so yeah and know this that if they ever do ask me then i'm going back there's never ever you never have to say oh i wonder if tina would go back if i'm 90 years old in a walker <laughs> i'm going back so just let everybody know that please and thank the- you we will. There you go, CBS. Listen to Tina. She she needs to come back. Um, we had this comment on Instagram, and I wish I had more of a name here. Their, their username is Boginsburg, B-O-G-I-N-Z-B-U-R-G, and their only comment is, my global teacher dated Tina's daughter, Katie. Smiley face. <laughs> I don't okay. know if you know who that is, <laughs> but there you go. I don't. Because Katie hasn't dated hardly anybody. Right. She, she's not been a, a very active in the dating scene, so I would be really curious who that is. Mm. I, I thought, yeah, I was trying to see if there was a bit more information on their profile, but um, sadly, sadly not. How, how is Katie? How, how, how is Katie going? Oh, she is so good. i got to tell you right now. So she called me this morning. She was supposed to go to Mexico today to go to a wedding. She overslept and missed her plane. <laughs> so, um, and there's like 12 people going, and they fly into um, Cancun, and then they're taking a huge party van thing to Tulum. So she's missing that as well so on the second trip. So anyway, she's boarding the plane and she's talking to me and she said, oh, mom, you wouldn't believe this cute little baby that's in the seat next to me. And I'm like, okay, well, take a picture because everybody knows I want a grandbaby more than anything else in the world. <laughs> so she took a picture and then I said, um, so you know, Katie, that this is not a random coincidence <laughs> that you're sitting next to this baby, that, you know, the God the creator of the universe caused you to miss your plane so that you could sit next to this child and give you an idea of, you know, what that mothering instinct needs to start coming out in you and, you know, to potentially give me a grandbaby. 
And she just sent me back a thing that was like, a, well, keep dreaming or something <laughs> like that. And I said, okay, you keep up with that attitude, and I'm going to start praying for twins. <laughs> so we had this banter this morning <laughs> all about grandbabies. So that is that is still ongoing, the, the needing a grandbaby thing. Mm, but we, she's we great. Did... Thank you for asking. I'm sorry you're, for you're that. You're most welcome. Send Send our hello to her and everything because, um, you know, yeah, one of I, I thoroughly enjoyed having Katie on back uh, in the Blood vs. Water days. It was a lot of fun to chat to her, but uh, maybe we need to get this uh, Bogensberg back into her life. It could be your future yeah. granddaughter's father. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, Bogensberg, send, send in some mes- more messages. We need to know who you are. Um now, let's see here. Uh, Dan Sokol, one of our uh, long-term listeners, thanks for sending a message in. Dan uh, says, yay, Survivor is almost here. Are there any other winners that you would have liked to have seen back? Wow. Yes. Um, and this is crazy because you mentioned Giuseppe um, and Chris. I would like Giuseppe back because... I feel for her, you know, I feel like Cerie had really um, dominated um, oh, how do I say that? Um, She's been such a great African American in the spotlight of Survivor who played with such dignity and grace and is so beloved by so many people. And I think that, you know, going way back to Vesepia's era, you know, Vesepia was really a good, kind player as well. She didn't have to struggle as hard as Vesepia did because, you know, I mean, as much as Suri did because, you know, Suri was very open and vocal about her, you know, I'm a couch potato, you know, so it's very, very hard for her. And so she became a, a larger than life character. So Vesepia only having one shot at it. And I think that she would have loved to come back and played as well. And I think that we need an, another person like her in the show. So I would like to see her play. I would have liked to see Chris play again. I like to see people who haven't gotten a second and third chance to play. Um, you know, even uh, the fellow that you were talking about, and oh gosh, and I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. Was it Chris? The other Chris, not Chris Daughter. Yeah, uh, Chris, Chris Underwood, who, Edge of it. Extinction winner. Yep, yep. Okay. Okay, and the reason why is because I've been very sympathetic to the players who have an extenuating circum- circumstance that makes people, other people say, you don't deserve the win. And he is one of those people that I know he caught a lot of flack, but there is so, you know, didn't he uh, volunteer to make fire? Yep. There yep. at the end. Yep, okay. He did. So, I mean, he made some big moves when he had the ability to make some big moves and take some big risks that I'm not sure everybody else would have done. And so I would kind of like to see people who um, maybe feel like, other people didn't give them the credit for winning and give them a second shot at it. So 
whoever those people are, I would like to see them go back out and play. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think Chris was one of these ones that would have been fantastic to see because, yeah, I think he he's one of these people who I definitely deserves some sort of second chance to, to really live up to a little bit more to show why he's a winner. Completely agree. I think there's someone also like a Natalie White who, of course, lost to Russell and basically – it's uh, sorry, beat Russell. And basically everybody just always paints her as the girl who only won because Russell lost. And I think I would have loved to seen her play again to really be like, hey, look, I'm far more than just the girl who beat Russell. Like, I've, there's far more to my win. So I completely agree with you. And it, it is it, that's another interesting thing too out of the winners that aren't out there. Um, sadly, you're not one of them. Um, there are 11 winners now who have only ever played once, so they will always have a 100% record uh, when it comes to their win. So it's going to be sort of adding to this flavour of debate, I guess you can say, after this season, whoever wins and ranking the winners and looking at other seasons and all this kind of thing, that we will have 11 100% ratio record winners who have not even had a second chance again. So whether or not those 11 people will ever wow. get to play again. So, yeah, it's it's unique that wow. we're out of 40 seasons and, what, 38 winners, 11 have never come back. Wow. That's crazy. Hmm. Well, I was thinking about that, Dan. You know, I, Bob Crawley, I yep. loved him. I thought he was a great character. Mike Holloway, I yep. think he was just full of energy and funny. I would have liked to have seen him play again. So, so there's a lot. I mean, I don't know how they came up with I, I know, you know, like the main people that are there. Um, I know why they were asked back, but gosh, there's, you know, why they could have had a whole third different uh, three tribes and come up with uh, let some of those other winners come back maybe even that would have been interesting yeah i think i mean people have touted the idea of, of 24 players australian survivor has 24 players so why couldn't they have done it here or you know even even i love the concept somebody came up with bring out every single one of you because i'm sure the majority of you would have said yes and then just basically kind of just like cull people left, right and center and just kind of like have some sort of epic face off where, you know, there's 38 of you going hammer and tong and then only 24 of you survive like the first two days or something like that. I mean, it would have been a heartbreaker for the people who, you know, didn't make it past day one, but it still would have been epic to see all of you out there and just really going at it. That would have been fun. Oh, that would have been great fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all have watched that. Thanks, Dan, for that question. Um, Dale Sutherland on Facebook, uh, he, 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 he first of all said, who are you going for? And I think we've already sort of, we talked about that, who you're sort of cheering for this season. But he, he added at the end of it, and I want to marry her. Uh, so you've kind of got a marriage proposal here, <laughs> Tina. <laughs> well, that would be polygamy in my state, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> How about my daughter? Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Dale. We need a baby. <laughs> Tina's desperate to be a grandmother. Marry Katie. There you go. <laughs> Oh, oh my, my goodness, so good. Um, June mentions here, here's a really good point, actually, talking about Sandra. Sandra sat out of the challenge, screamed at them from the bench, got gifted an idol, ran around strategizing, kept the idol in her pocket, and still didn't get a vote against her as the only person to ever win twice. 
Wow, that is a great way of summing up Sandra in this episode. <laughs> yes, perfect. That's crazy. That is so amazing to think that. That wow. That's just that's absolutely incredible, Sandra, the queen. I also love that moment when Wendell was like, "What's going on, Queen?" And Sandra's like, "Don't call me that. You'll put a target on my back." <laughs> I know, and I liked it when she was hollering at Tony. Tony, pay attention. Yeah. Keep up. You know, that was great too. I was laughing with that. Oh, so good. Uh, he's she a nice is, one. She is so good. She, she's gold. She really is. And I, I also like, I'm not a, a huge fan of kind of using flashbacks in episodes because i mean we see it a lot in australian survivor and it kind of takes you away from the moment but I, I will say they they did fantastic with the flashbacks in this episode and seeing that little flashback from game changes when she's basically going off at tony when he's voted out like this is why the queen stays queen that's what you get for going after me <laughs> so good oh, i love it i love that so, so good. Um, Sunny, this is actually a really nice one. I was going to bring this up, but uh, I thought I'd save this for this uh, part of the show. Uh, ask, do you have any fond memories with Rudy on All Stars, uh, particularly maybe during the, the pre-jury trip or even out of the game, the, the few days you spent with him? Oh, thank you so much for asking that question. Uh, and I hope I don't cry talking about it. Um I do. I do have some very fond, I have bad memories and good memories. So um, whenever I went out for All-Stars, I think I've mentioned to you before that I had I told Mark Burnett in casting, I'm like, you've got to put all the winners on one tribe or they're just going to vote us all off one by one. It's going to be boring. And they didn't do that. So whenever I hit the island, I knew, you know, Ethan and I definitely had teamed up together Jerry was out to get me, and Jenna, I don't think she wanted Ethan or I either one. And so that left either uh, Rupert or Rudy to for Ethan and I to try to get go-to. And I was, oh gosh, I had been wooing Rupert before we'd go out to play and we're stuck at the Ponderosa for a few days, you know, I'm slipping, and I'm, I didn't know that Rupert was going to be on my tribe, but I was slipping him little notes because he had just come off of his season and he didn't know all the players. And I'm like, these are people that you can trust. These are the people that you can't. And, oh, I'd love to play with you. You know, I was being really sneaky pre-game. And then whenever we were going out on the boat, uh, Rupert got real boat sick, uh, seasick. He was throwing up and I had I was like trying to keep him cool and I was doing everything in my power to woo him. And then playing with Rudy, there was no penetrating him at all. He he's not really one to have much of a conversation. He's just out there doing his own thing. And I could not I, I just couldn't sway him. So I was a little bit frustrated in that I felt like there was nothing I could do to stay in the game, that the cards that I was, I was dealt, I was just dealt. So then I voted off to go to Ponderosa, and then Rudy gets voted off eventually, and he comes, and we are sent to travel to uh, Patagonia, Argentina. And it's me and Rudy, uh, Rob Sesternino, and Richard Hatch. And 
Rudy has the worst case of gout. I mean, he is in such pain. And yet, you know, they've set up all these activities of things that we can do, and Rudy's trying to do them, and just such a trooper um, being out there in pain and still trying to do some of the activities that they had us to do. And I realized just how simple of a person Rudy is. You know, there's no airs about him at all. He is just who he is. And you never have to worry. You know, we're all such complicated human beings. And I think Rudy was the most uncomplicated human being that I ever met. He just, he's a man of few words. And he'll just say what he thinks or feels. And that's that. You know, you don't have to worry about how he feels because he's going to tell you. And it was just refreshing being around somebody like him and then realizing how much uh, the military, how much a part of that is a part of Rudy because he was retired and yet he still would go on base and run before everybody else was up in the morning. He said, you know, I'm so slow. I don't want the, everybody else to see how slow I am. But it's, he still wanted to be on the base and being a part of this, even though he was retired. And it was just a part of his, in his blood and how much he loved his wife, Marge. And it was just a pleasure to be around somebody his age still playing the game, I, my bar that he set for me, because, you know, I'm now 60 almost, and if I were to go out and play and I'm thinking, well, my Lord, Rudy was, what, 70-something? Yeah. Whenever he went and played, and by golly, if he can do it, I can do it. So he has set my bar for me. Mm. Great words. Yeah, no, it's... um. Yeah, it's still it's still very sad to to think that you know we've just recently lost him and you know such a legend of the game and yeah it's so great to hear those memories because you know it's it's obviously sad that you both went out first and second on all stars but uh, you know you get to spend a bit of time with him outside in sort of a more I guess relaxed environment where you're not kind of at each other's throats. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and I don't think yeah I know in the end uh, Rudy. I think he and Jenna probably had some animosity. But, you know, that's another thing. I mean, I didn't feel like Rudy was ever after anybody. He's just like, you know, okay, well, I'm going to vote off so-and-so. And And that's (laughs) that. You know, it's not about feeling. It's not about an emotion or, you know, you just don't see that from Rudy. It's just like, it's just the facts, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll close it off with this one here. This is kind of sort of related to All-Stars as well. Lou asked the question, how do you feel about no longer being the only winner who was first voted out? Um, indifferent. <laughs> um, I, always feel, I always feel sorry for... I don't care if they're a winner or a non-winner, the first person voted out because you come out with, and it's not the shame of being the first vote out as much as it is the lack of getting to experience. It is 
you know, it's like going to Disney World and they've closed the park for the one day that you were going to get to go and, and go to the Disney World. <laughs> That's what it feels like. You know, I mean, it's, it's the experience, I mean, this incredible experience and you're first, first loaded out and you don't get to have it. You get to just like have one lick of the lollipop and then you don't get the rest of it. So that's what it is. Uh, I always feel so sorry for whoever's first out because they they don't they don't get the full experience. Yeah, and it's I mean it's obviously a little bit different this season with Edge of Extinction, but um, yeah, as Jeff kind of alluded to in Tribal Council, no one wants to be that first person voted out, no matter what the season and. I guess for someone like Natalie too, she's she's one of the winners on this season who hasn't played more than once, so she only knows winning and that was it. So it's a first taste of having a torch snuffed. Amber, I mean, she's had a torch snuff before she won, so she's kind of experienced that before. But, yeah, you, I'm sure you know exactly what Natalie was feeling uh, on All-Stars, having gone through a whole season, never experiencing that torch going out, and then, boom, within three days, you, you're experiencing it straight away. That's true. And I, I tell you one thing, too, that just from a personal standpoint that I'm learning, every season that I'll, I'll watch the season, it, 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 I don't have to be out there to be learning. And so I feel like I'm learning from every single season that I watch. You know, I, there's things that I, I've done in the past that, you know, like, oh, why did I do that? Like, why did I get so mad at Tyson? when he broke up our alliance, you know, I knew who he was and I, I shouldn't have been surprised by it, but why couldn't I have uh, not gotten mad at him, but instead, you know, really scramble hard to try to uh, do something different, you know? And so now I'm like, okay, I think I've watched enough seasons now that I can go out there and just play the game and not be so, uh, emotionally attached to um, how I play the game or how somebody else plays the game, I think I can go out now and just play it and not, um, you know, not worry about, you know, necessarily what people think or what my conscience says, or I can just go play it now because I've watched it so much and, and I experienced that with Tyson and really regretted it. So I think I'm learning with so many other people who are out there watching the show and hope to go out and play one day. Hopefully, you know, every season that they're watching, they're taking in all this information that's coming at them from other players and uh, can use it to their advantage now. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's a great way of looking at it. And uh, I speak for the large vocal fan community out there to say that we hope that you do get to come back and play a fourth time because it still is a travesty that you're not on this season, Tina. It really is. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Ben. I so appreciate that. And thank you so much for always asking me to come and be a part of your show and to be part of this first episode that's really special. So thank you so much for having me. And a massive, massive thanks to Tina. Great chat. As always, and such a pleasure to have her on this show. 
I'm going to say it one more time. Such a shame we're not seeing her on our screens right now at Winners at War. And thanks to everyone who's sending listener questions. We always do appreciate them. We read every single one, of course. We can't get to them all the time, unfortunately. And as I said, too, a lot of them were answered in the bulk of that interview, too. So, But we do appreciate you sending them in. Next week on the show, I'm not going to tell you who we have lined up, but I'm just going to tease it and say that we have another winner lined up for you next week. Get you a bit excited already. And say that this is a winner that we have never had on the show ever in any capacity, not even on Survivor Oz back in the Survivor Oz days. So this is a debut guest for the Oz Network slash Survivor Oz, a winner of Survivor. That's all I'm telling you. We will lock it in during the week and we will post it on our social media for you to get your questions out there. Stay tuned because I, for one, am very excited to have this guest on the show. And if you're wondering what's happening with our Australian Survivor coverage, and a few people have been asking where have our episode recaps been, we sort of alluded to in our preview for Australian Survivor All-Stars that recaps would be a little bit more sporadic. They wouldn't be as frequent as they usually are, sort of not weekly like we did during the last season. And we're kind of looking at right now of maybe just doing three in-depth chats throughout the season to cover sort of three parts of the season. So it's sort of our focus is always going to be on winners at war and we'll cover all stars where we can. And we're looking at next week, bringing you our very first recap and it's going to be a doozy as well. We talk about this winner coming on the show. It's going to be exciting. Our first recap for Australian survivor is going to be huge. We have a a bit of a special episode revolving around. We're hoping four players who all have a very distinct part of history in Australian Survivor. They are from each of the four Channel 10 versions, and they all hold a little stat, which makes it for a very interesting episode. I believe this will be the very first time that all four of them are on the same episode together, and it's going to make for a lot of fun. So again, I'm just going to tease you. Stay tuned to our social media pages. Get excited. We'll get you get some questions into us because there's plenty to talk about with Australian Survivor All-Stars course happening at the moment. And if you want to get involved and find out who these people are, Easiest way to do is follow us on all our social media pages. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. We always update on there, get involved. And of course, outside of Survivor, we're covering plenty of other things. We've got Australia vs. Canada Month happening at the moment. We dropped our first episode yesterday, Bon Cop, Bad Cop, the highest grossing Canadian film of all time. Colin and I did a review of that, a recap actually of that. Get involved in that one. We have a great Australian one coming your way next week. Review-wise, we are looking at Birds of Prey coming very soon to the Oz Network as well as Sonic the Hedgehog. The movie is here. I'm seeing it tomorrow. I'm nervous. What's going to happen with it? I don't know. You'll find our review heading up on the website coming up this weekend. And, of course, Total Drama Island, Colin, Rossi, and Jared covering that beautifully. That drops every single Wednesday, so stay tuned for that one as well. Plenty to keep you occupied here on the Oz Network. Subscribe on all the podcast channels. We're on iTunes. It's called Apple Podcasts now, but I'm still calling it iTunes because I'm in that old-school mentality. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Podcasts. Get them while they're hot. Hit the mash button on the subscribe, the subscribe, mash the subscribe button. That's what I was meant to say. And leave us some feedback because we want to hear what you think of the show. Give us five stars for Tina Wesson. That's your tribute to why she isn't on this show. So, uh, the season. I'm losing my mind, people. I'm excited to talk to Tina. I'm thinking about watching Sonic on the weekend. It's a very eclectic mix of emotions going on right now. Thanks for tuning in to the Oz Network. Thanks again, Tina, for joining us on the show. We'll speak to you next time. Good night.
Thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as find out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.